What's going on, Hawk Nation? Episode 15 here of the HNU Hawkcast coming at you. It's Jake Ward as I will be taking you through a lot of Hawk action last week on the court, out on the diamond, and some out in the field as well. And we'll get you ready for this week's PacWest Conference postseason tournament in which the HNU men's basketball team will be making the first ever appearance in school history. We'll take you through the, the one through six seeds, talk you over little matchups, and we will bring to you in their entirety the press conferences that were done with head coach Omar Sanchez and a couple of the men's basketball players this past Monday. So we will have that for you here. We'll play you all the audio. But we're going to get started this time a little bit differently this week. We're going to start out on the diamond as we had HNU softball in their first home action of the season. It was a PacWest Conference doubleheader split with Biola as two of the four games in the series that were originally planned were postponed. They were able to get two games in in the series, and as I mentioned, the Hawks splitting. They would lose game one by a score of 2-1. to one. Now, Biola scored two runs on the top of the second inning on a 2-RBI double, but HNU got one back in the fourth on a Lindsey Widner RBI single. However, that is how the game would end, as that would be all the scoring. In a relief appearance, Symphony Hall dazzled as she threw five scoreless innings, only allowed three hits, and she struck out three. Unfortunately, the Hawks not able to come back and get her the win in that ball game. At the dish, Cassidy Simon was one for three with a run and a triple. Of course, Lindsey Widner one for three with the RBI single, and Sienna Cheshire was also one for three as she roped a double in that game. The Hawks would come back and win game two by a final of six to five as they won it on a walk-off wild pitch in the bottom of the seventh inning. It was a crazy ending. Biola scored two runs in each the first and the second innings. The Hawks would score in their half of the second by putting up two of their own. They would then go ahead and take the lead by scoring three runs in the fifth inning. Biola would even it up with one in the top half of the sixth, and that's when the crazy ending would end it. Getting the win for the Hawks in the pitcher circle was Haley Kizzy. As she gets her second win of the season, she's now 2-2 two and two on the year. She went six innings, allowed four hits, just one run. It was earned. She walked three and struck out two. At the plate one more time, Cassidy Simon coming up big. She went two for two in game two as well as scored a run. Lindsay Widner picked up another hit in her second game of the day. She was one for two. Sienna Cheshire as well. She was one for two with a run and an RBI. And Kayla Hall also picking up a pair of RBIs at the dishes. She was one for three with a run and two RBIs. Both of those coming on a double. And we move now to the tennis courts as women's tennis won their only match of the week when they played Biola yesterday on Monday. They would come away with a 4-1 victory. The match was played to clinch, so not the normal seven points that you might be used to. As that one was played just until it was able to be clinched by either team. In the match, the Hawks lost two or three doubles matches but came back and got all they would get all four points in the match by way of singles wins as they would get wins on courts one, two, three, and six. On court one was Lada Bagleva. She would win six two, two six, seven six, and then seven one in the tiebreaker at the number one court, while Jahan Byramova took her match on the number two court in straight sets, seven six, seven five in the tiebreaker, and six four. Now the clinching point in the match would come from Eilish work as she on the number six court would win her match seven five two six and six two the men's tennis team, however, did not have the same results as the women as they would drop both of their matches last week. First on Friday, March the 1st, to Sonoma State, they would drop it by a score of 4-3 to three as they were swept in doubles play. They would pick up wins on th courts 3-5 and 6 to make it close. However, they would still drop the match. The same score to Biola on Monday, that would be yesterday, they lost 4-3. to three. Now, they won one of the three doubles matches. However, that is not enough to get the doubles points, so they started start out in an 0-1 hole there. They would go on to win another three singles matches, but again, losing that double doubles point would mean that they come out on the losing end of this as they would win on singles courts 2-4 and 6. Now the win on court 2 coming from Hugo Colpart in straight sets 6-2 and 6-3. 
The HNU track team took place at the Kim Dust Invitational over the weekend as well. Some of the meet highlights for the Hawks, Anthony Dulay ran collegiate best in two events. He ran 23.10 seconds in the 200 meters and 51.2 seconds in the 400 meters. Dulay was HNU's top finisher in the 400 meters, placing 15th overall atop his heat. Also in the 200 meters, Fernando Ortiz was the top finisher in his particular heat section, finishing in 23.61 seconds. Juan Macias ran a collegiate best 800 meter time of 2 minutes 13 seconds. And Robert Sagasta completed the 1500 meters in 4 minutes and 13 seconds, placing him at 18th overall, which was also the best time of his heat. On the HNU women's side of the Kim Dust Invitational track meet, for the women, Ashley Settles ran the 100 meters in 14.14 seconds for the Hawks' fastest time. Shariah Scott also ran the 100 meters, improving her personal best time by 0.2 seconds as she crossed the line in just 14.57 seconds. In the 400 meters, Crisol Jimenez was HNU's top finisher with a time of 1 minute 6 seconds. While Monica Zoranich had HNU's best time in the 800 meters, with she finished with a time of 3 minutes and 4 seconds. The Hawks participated in the 4x100 relay as the team of Vanessa Bandolin, Crisol Jimenez, Meg Sullivan, and Ashley Settles completed the relay in 57.89 seconds. And now we'll bring you back to the basketball action. We'll start you off with women's basketball as in the final game of the season, they would drop a contest to the Fresno Pacific Sunbirds by a final of 85-67. to 67. Now the Hawks got off to a hot start in the game as they were tied at 16-all after the first quarter, but then they would keep their foot on the gas and they would go ahead to take the lead at halftime by 5, 37-32. However, it was a tale of two halves as in the second, they allowed 29 points in the third quarter before allowing 24 points in the fourth as they would fall down the stretch. Leading the way for the Hawks was Angelis Carly Hilliard with 24 points. That was a team and a season high. She also picked up eight rebounds to go along with those 24 points. Ariana Hernandez picked up 16 points to go along with two assists. Ari four for 12 from three-point range in that game. And Taylor Krause would pick up six points and nine rebounds in her final contest as an HNU Hawk. Now, we'll take you through some notable achievements from the women's basketball team, not only in this game, but on the season as well. And then we'll take you to our conference leader. So the 24 points for Angelis Carly Hilliard was her new career high. The previous career high was set earlier on in this season when she had 23 points against Chico State on November the 13th of 2018. And she finishes the season with 23 games in double digits, that being... 23 out of 28 games that she has played in this season. So a great final year from Angelis Carly Hilliard. And Taylor Krause picked up a couple notable achievements as she finishes her HNU career with 256 career assists. Now that is the most the most in HNU history in the Pacific West Conference era. She also had 93 career starts, which is the most in HNU history in the Pac West era. So a couple of big achievements there from Taylor as well as Ariana Hernandez. She finishes the year with 88 three-pointers. Now that's the most in a single season in HNU history in any era that there has been. The previous single season high was Brittany Machado Patestio when she made 68 three-pointers back in 2012-2013. And Ari will also finish her Hawks career with 137 career three-pointers. That's the most in HNU history in the PacWest Conference era. And one final notable achievement of the season, Ellie Berlin finishes the year with 90 assists in a single season. Now that's the highest single season mark in HNU history in the PacWest era. So despite the season not finishing the way you would like to see record-wise, a lot of great notable achievements from this Hawks team, including the three seniors on the team in Angelis, Taylor, and Ariana. And now we'll take a look real quick at the national leaders, Ariana with those 88 career season three-pointers, has dropped down to seventh. She will more than likely finish in the top ten. She trails sixth place by just four three-pointers. Of course, the season is over for the Hawks, so she will not move up any higher than seventh, and she finishes with 88. Now, in the conference, the 88 is good for second place. She was leading all season long right up until the final game of the season. She was passed by Rachel Bosey, 
of Azusa Pacific as she finishes the year one ahead of Ariana with 89 three-pointers made in the season. And she did that because she went 10 for 18 from three-point land against Dominican in the final game of the year. So a wild comeback that sees Rachel Bozy take first place in conference three-pointers over Ariana Hernandez. But don't take anything away from Ariana. That was a great effort all season long by her to put up 88. And as we told you, the most in a single season mark by more than 20 in H&U history. Now, we'll take you through the rest of our conference leaders as well. One Hawk that did finish atop the conference leaderboard would be Angelis Carly-Hilliard as she led the league in field goal percentage, shooting at 52.2% for the year. An absolutely fantastic mark from Angelis. She would also find herself 11th in the conference in total points with 408. Two spots behind her would be Ariana Hernandez in 13th with 388 points. Total rebounds, you'll find Jernasia Martin in 10th place with 196, while Jalea Williams trails her by just two in 12th place with 183 total rebounds. However, they averaged right next to each other as Jernasia comes in 10th with 7.3 rebounds per game, while Jalea was 11th with an even 7 rebounds per game average. In total assists, Ellie Berlin comes in at 6th place in the conference with 91. However, she finds herself even higher than that when you look at the average assists per game as she was 4th in that category with 3.8. We now jump over to the H&U men's basketball side out there on the court and they would drop their final regular season game of the 2018-2019 campaign as they would lose to Fresno Pacific by a final of 79-67. to Now the Hawks would lose 4 of their last 5 games after winning seven of their last eight so they're not coming in to the postseason tournament on their best stretch of basketball however not far off from where they were playing some of their best basketball on the season the loss drops them to the number six seed in the pac west conference tournament because art U would end up winning their last game of the season and since art U holds the tiebreaker over holy names by virtue of beating them twice in the regular season art U wins the tiebreaker and goes on to secure the five seed while the hawks will go into the conference tournament at the number six seed. Now, in the game against the Sunbirds, the Hawks fell behind 6-0 to start the game, and they would eventually trail by 11. The Hawks would cut it back to 5 at the 749 mark before cutting it back to 5 yet again at the 215 mark. However, they would go into half down 7. They opened up the second half with a 6-1 run and trailed the Sunbirds by just 2. However, the Sunbirds would respond with a 10-2 run. And anytime the Hawks would cut that down to single digits, the Sunbirds would rebuild the lead and get it back up as they would go on to win by 12. In the game, Cavante Davis puts up a team-high 17 points along with 10 rebounds for his first double-double of the season. That's a season-high in rebounds with 10, and he also had three steals in that game as well. Andre Green would chip in 11 points with three assists. However, it was an uphill battle for the Hawks as Fresno Pacific shot 50% from the floor in the first half. They would then increase that shooting percentage in the second half, shooting 59.3% in the second. That's a 54.5% mark overall, and as a defensive team like the Hawks, it's hard to stay in ball games when you're allowing a team to shoot 50% or above in the game. And conversely, the Hawks shot just 36% in the first half. They were 9 for 25 in the first part of the game. They kept it close, so a testament to the Hawks' will and their character to fight through adversity. However, they would go on to lose it by double digits. 79-67. And we will get you set for the postseason tournament. After we bring you the conference leaders through the regular season, you'll find a lot of Hawks, and by a lot of Hawks, more so just Alonzo Taylor, as he finds himself atop a few categories. We'll take you through those right now. Alonzo, 7th in total points in the PacWest Conference as he finishes the year on the regular season with 416. Finds himself 10th in average points per game as he comes in with a mark of 15.4 in the conference in average points. In field goal percentage, Alonzo in 9th with 48.3%. Now that's a great mark for a shooting guard, especially someone who shoots the amount of shots that Alonzo does. He's also... 10th in total amount of field goals made as he made 146 buckets on the year. His free throw percentage ranks him tied for third at 84% from the free throw line. And in total three-pointers made, this is where you'll find the first 
other Hawk, aside from Alonzo, Jules Sanders coming in seventh place in the conference in total three-pointers made this season with 47. However, Alonzo not too far behind him, tied for ninth with 45. Average three-pointers made per game, Jules tied for sixth with 1.8, while Alonzo is tied for eighth with 1.7. In total blocks, Andre Green found himself in the top 10 as he was tied at 10th place with 20 total blocks. And Alonzo tied for 11th in total steals with 36 while he would get into the top 10, tying for 9th in average steals per game with 1.3. And now the moment that you guys have all been waiting for, let's take you through the tournament preview of the PacWest Conference postseason tournament. This will see who goes on to take that next step in the dance trying to win a national tournament in NCAA Division II. We'll start you at the number six seed, of course, that being your H&U Hawks. Now, the Hawks finished the year at 12-15. and 15. They had an 11-11 and 11 mark in conference play. The 11 conference wins are the most in H&U history since joining the PacWest Conference in 2012-2013. H&U enters the postseason tournament with a number six scoring offense as they average 69.8 points per game. However, they're also the number eight scoring defense, allowing an average of 71.3 points per game. They're the number 10 team in the conference in field goal percentage offense, but they're number seven in field goal percentage defense, and they're number one in three-point percentage defense as they only allow opponents to shoot 30.5% from the three-point line. Now, the leading scorer for the Hawks was Alonzo Taylor as he was number 10 in the conference in average points per game while also being number 7 in total points scored. And they will have a first round matchup with number 3 Shamanad, that being the Silver Swords. Now Shamanad comes in with a 22 and 6 record overall on the season, they're 16 and 6 in conference play. They're also ranked number 5 in the NCAA Division II West Region. Now they earned the number 3 seed after winning the tiebreaker over Azusa Pacific and that earns them a first-round matchup with number six seed Holy Names. Now, Shamanad is the number two scoring average offense in the entire PacWest Conference as they average 81.4 per points per game, and they are the number 10 defense in scoring as they allow an average of 73.9 points per game. So they still come out with a positive margin, however, not the defense that you would expect from a number three seed. They are the number two team in terms of a shooting percentage in the conference as well as number two and three point percent shooting and keep that going their number two in free throw percentage as well as total assists and their number three in turnover margin so this team definitely the top half and top three more often than not in the conference across any given category they also come into this game with three of the top 10 scorers per conference now in the conference they're led by grant dressler who comes in at the number two scoring average in the conference number three in total points with 534 he will lead a high powered Shamanad scoring attack. In the season series, Shamanad swept HNU as they won the first contest on December 15th of 2018, 87-78, before they would win the second game of the season series on January 8th by a final of 91-72. to Now, the winner of that matchup between Shamanad and Holy Names would go on to face number two ranked Concordia and we'll tell you a little about them right now as they earn a first round bye being the number two C. They come in at 22 and nine overall on the year. They're 18 and four in conference. They're ranked number nine in the division two West region. They could have earned a split of the PacWest conference regular season title had they beat Point Loma on the last night of the regular season. However, they would go on to lose that game giving Point Loma the conference regular season title outright. Now Concordia comes in number three scoring average team in the conference as they average 77 points per game. They're the number six defense in the conference allowing an average of 70.7 points per game. Now they're number one in free throw percentage. They're number two in total three pointers made and they're number three in three point percent defense. They're also number one in turnover margin as they have a poor 
as they have a plus 4.87 mark in turnover margin. They'll bring in the number two score in all of the conference, that being Brian Chambers, as he was second in total points with 551, and he averages 17.8 points per game. Now, as I mentioned, this Concordia team will face the winner between the Hawks and the Silver Swords. If they do face the Hawks, they split the season series with HNU as they won the the first game of the season did Concordia on December 31st as they won it 85-72. However, they would drop game two to the Hawks in the season series. The Hawks coming away with the 73-64 win back on February 7th. The other first round matchup will see number four seeded Azusa Pacific take on number five seeded Academy of Art. We'll start with number five Academy of Art. They come in 11 and 16 overall on the season, 11 and 11 in conference play, and they earned that number five seed over the Hawks as both teams finishing with the same record. However, Academy of Art sweeping the Hawks in the season series as they won both contests, the first on January 19th, 82-79 to in overtime, and February 17th, they would win 77-71, and that's how they would earn the number 5 seed. Now, Academy of Art, just the number 9 scoring team in the conference as they average 67.6 points per game. However, their defense much better as their number 4 in conference, allowing just 69.9 points per game. They come in, though, near the bottom or at the bottom in most statistical categories in the Pac West Conference, they're the number eight field goal percent shooting team on offense, and they're the number four field goal percent defensive team in the conference. They do bring in the number three score in the conference as well. Turning to number four, Azusa Pacific, they were 19 and 10 in the regular season, 16 and 6 in conference play as they were the number four scoring team in the conference with 74.8 average points per game. They're also the number three defensive team in the conference, allowing 67.9 points per game, a great margin there. Now, they're number five in field goal percentage. However, they're number one in field goal percentage on defense. Now, they come in the number five field goal percent shooting team on offense. However, their defense is the best holding opposing teams to shoot just 40.3% from the floor. That ranks them number one in all of the pack west they're number three in three point percent shooting however number one in total three pointers made as they were 272 for 748 both marks led the pack west conference on the season they're number five on their three point percentage defense they're also the number one rebounding offensive team however just number six on defensive rebounds and their top scorer this season, Will Ferris, as he had 352 total points, averaging just 12.1 per game. Now, the winner of that 4-5 matchup will go on to face the number one team in the conference, that being Point Loma. They are your regular season champions. They come in at 24-4 on the season. They are 20-2 in conference play. As I mentioned, they are the outright PacWest regular season champions as they clinch that with a 93-83 victory over Concordia in the regular season finale. They are ranked number 10 in all of the nation in NCAA Division 2, they're ranked in number 2 in the West region. So this Point Loma team coming in, the odds-on heavy favorites. They started the year with a 14-game PacWest Conference win streak, which is the best start in conference history. They would finish 20-2, which is a new PacWest record for wins in a conference regular season. And they're the number one shooting team in terms of shooting percentage, in terms of scoring average. They average 81.7 points per game. They're also number two in total points scored in the entire conference and number two in the scoring defense allowed as they only give up 66.9 points per game. They have the number one score in the entire conference, that being Dalton Homs, as he totaled 617 points. The next highest had 551, and he also averaged 22 points per game. This Point Loma team, a force to be reckoned with, and as I mentioned, they will have a first-round buy and face the winner of Azusa Pacific, the number four seed, and the number five seed Academy of Art in the semifinals. 
Now that has been your tournament preview. Stick around. This is going to be a long HNU hotcast this week as we bring to you the press conferences by HNU head coach Omar Sanchez and HNU men's basketball players Andre Green, Cavante Davis, and Zach Young. We will have those press conferences in their entirety as we preview HNU taking on Chaminade in the quarterfinals of the PacWest Conference Tournament. So stick around with us on the HNU hotcast when we come back right after this. to the Hopcast, presented by HNU Athletics. Alright, so the first question will be for all of you guys. Uh, being that this is the most probably obvious question, I'm sure you'll hear this a lot, but um, so you guys' first time at the tournament, uh, what does that mean to you guys individually and to you guys as a team to represent the, the first team ever to make the PacWest Conference Tournament? Uh... It's kind of something that we've been uh, working for all year, uh, so it's a pretty big deal to us, and uh, seems like it's a big deal to pretty much everybody else on campus too. Everybody's been excited for us. A couple people are coming out to the game, so uh, yeah. Individually, it's pretty important for me being here for five years. It's it's been what I've been working for for the past five years. So each year getting better and better, and finally reaching the tournament, which was our goal, is really exciting for us. For me, just as a senior, um, it's just everything for me. Like I said, most of this wasn't planned in my future, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. So you guys had won seven of eight before a loss to Point Loma, and since then you guys have lost four of five. How do you guys get things turned around coming into the first game of the tournament? Uh, it's mostly just a mental thing, so we just got to get our minds right. We've been a uh, feel like after we found out that we kind of clinched the tournament, we kind of started slowing it down a little bit and being a little lackadaisical. But uh, like we're all we're all locked in. Uh, we all have the same goal in mind. We got three more games to win, and then it's on to the next step. But yeah, it's just a mental thing for us. I agree. Just, just locked in for the, the tournament. Everyone's focused on this game on Thursday, and that's all it needs to take. As long as everyone's focused, we will be able to get the job done. We're scary when we're together. Most of the teams in this tournament know that. They don't want to play us first round. When we're clicking, we're really clicking. So, so you guys come in facing Chaminade in that first round matchup. You guys lost the season series to Chaminade. Chaminade is the number two scoring comp offense in the conference. How do you guys prepare for such an offensive output like theirs? Uh, coaches, uh, they've been working on a game plan pretty much since we found out that we were playing them the other day. And uh, it's basically just go out there and like eat the food that they're giving to us and uh, just execute what they're telling us to execute and win your one-on-one -on -one matchups. And you win all your one-on-one -on -one matchups, it's kind of hard to lose the game. Chaminade's a very offensive team. So like offensively versus offensively, we're probably not going to win. So that's why we're going to have to lock in on defense and stop them from outscoring us. It's survival mode for us. So some of us, it may or may not be our last game. So we just got to throw it all out there on the court and just come together as a family again and just start clicking at the right moment. Vaughn, as a point guard, how do you keep the team um, together? How do you keep them focused on certain plays? What, is, what are you specifically looking to do to make sure the team stays together in case you guys face any, any hardships or any runs of multiple points by the other team? Well, for as a point guard, just just knowing, just trying to keep everybody like together through adversity. Shamanah is going to make their runs. If we can keep a level head and just stay even keeled throughout the game, throughout the pace of the game, around those last four or five minutes, we're deadly because that's when we defend well. Around those four last four or five minutes, and um, for me, if I can just come out more aggressive in the beginning, just to set like a certain tone, a level of energy, then. I think that we have a great chance to beat Chaminade on Thursday. 
Andre, you're known as one of the defensive leaders on the team. Um, Coach Sanchez has talked about this multiple times on the podcast and throughout the year. You guys will face the number two average scorer in the conference. That's Grant Dressler. How do you stop someone like Grant who seemingly can score at will? Uh, for people who can score like that, it's more just keeping them to their average. So you just don't want, like, in big games, like, the leaders and the best players tend to step up the most. And uh, it's basically just keeping him to his average and not letting him do too much. Just kind of make him un as uncomfortable as, like, I can, we can. And, uh, yeah, and then from there it's just don't let, don't let anybody do anything that's uncharacteristic. Zach, Chaminade isn't the best rebounding team. They're fourth in the conference. However, Holy Names comes in at eighth in the conference. What do you guys need to do to keep them off the boards and win the rebounding battle? I think it's just a team effort. They have a lot of guards that crash, so we need all five people to be able to lock in and block out their defender, come in and crash and help out everyone else. They do have a good uh, number 25, Eric. He's very good at rebounding, so that's a important role for us bigs to be able to lock in on him and not let him get going off the offensive glass or defensive glass. Now, this will be a battle out on the perimeter. Chaminade is second in the conference in three-point field, field goal percentage. However, you guys are first in three-point field goal defense. What is, how do you guys prepare to handle the, the game from the outside if it seems that all they're going to do is settle and shoot threes? Uh, big thing is that the, a big thing that we're good at is just being there on the catch. So we're really good at getting to the ball on the perimeter like very quickly, like our guards and our bigs. Like we all work hard to make sure that we don't give up too many open looks. And as long like most of the time when you when you can get a hand up, unless they're like a super elite shooter, like most of the time that the guy's gonna miss and it's gonna make the shot a lot harder. So. Yeah, just forcing contested threes is all we can do. If they're hitting contested threes, then it's not our day, but we just got to live by that defense, forcing contested threes. Just like these guys just said, just limiting them to as many threes as possible. At the same time, clean up the rebounding, finish plays, limited to just one shot. And uh, this will be for all three of you, but Vaughn, let's start with you. Chaminade comes in second in free throw percentage uh, in the conference, shooting 74.3% from the line. How do you play a physical style of defense without fouling them and putting them there for those opportunities? Well, individually, just me personally, I just got to learn how to just play defense without my hands, you know, um, try to get in those passing lanes. Um, sticking to our defensive principles, we've been harping on those all year, even last year. So just if we just go out there and talk, then we're the number one team on defense and defense wise out there when we talk. Um, we're scary when we when we're clicking on de on defense because it opens up our offense. And just for us, we just got to learn how to play without our hands and just like I like I said before, survival mode right now. Yeah, we just uh, we just got to learn how to play like hands out, hands up, and just use your body as effectively as you can. Yeah, coaches have been really hopping on that in practice recently, is keeping your hands out, calling any foul in practice that they reach, even if it's not a foul, just getting us used to playing without our hands. So that's been really important for our success. And then, Zach, let's start with, with you on this one. Let's go down the other way on the line. Uh, Sean Lab comes in first in the conference in assist-to-turnover ratio with a 1.29 ratio. The assists and turnover, more so the turnover battle, would be big on this one. How do you guys both force turnovers but also not turn the ball over yourselves, being that that was a key area in the regular season? Yeah, Coach tells us all the time that when we put pressure and forcing tough catches all game long, that they turn the ball over. So we just got to trust that through our process of defense that they're going to turn the ball over and, and offensively we just got to look after the ball. Yeah, just... When we're when we're on the court, you just gotta uh, like press pressure pressure like the ball, and just force everything to force them to be uncomfortable with everything that they're they're doing on the floor. They're a great team when they're not being pressured. So like we know like going into this game that they gotta be pressured everywhere. As a point guard on our on our side of the ball, I just gotta make sure I t take care of the ball me and Rob as much as possible, get, get our guys in the right offense. And
So Shomar comes in having won four of their last five, kind of on the opposite swing from you guys. How do you prepare to handle such uh, a team coming in on a roll, playing some of their better basketball in the season? Uh, basketball is a game of runs. So whether it's in-game or a series of games, like anybody can win or lose any given day. So it's we're coming into this tournament. Everybody's zero and zero. We all have a clean slate. You lose, doesn't matter how hot you were playing before you're done. So, yeah. Yeah, it's zero, zero, like Dre said. Anyone's day, anyone can show up and win it. Just got to be focused. And as long as we're locked in, it's, we have all the chance in the world. Um, well, for us, like a lot of people probably didn't expect us to be in this situation. So like this story for us, it's not just going to end just off one game. So we know what to expect going into this game. All of us want it so bad. So a lot of teams already expect us to lose the Chaminade and I'm willing to make that upset. Um, you guys play in the first game of the tournament. Is there anything that you guys are trying to prove, being that you guys are the first game of the, the tournament? Yeah, well, not only are we the, the first game, but we just happen to get the lowest seed. So it's like you go out in every game, you have absolutely nothing to lose. Like, you're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to win. So you just go out there, give everything that you got, because it's probably some of these guys' last, like it could be some of these guys' last basketball game. So you just got to go out there and give everything you got and hope for the results that you want. Yeah, it's our time to prove that we deserve to be in the top six. A lot of people, a lot of team that we lost to say that, no, we're not that good, but it's our time to show up and prove that we deserve to be there. And I feel like we're going to. We have great players all around us. Every guy can, every guy can step up in different ways on the court. Andre leads by defense. Zell, of course, on offense. At any given moment when we're clicking, we're scared, offensively and defensively. Is there any extra meaning or any extra, um, any more specialness to the birth of the tournament being that it is just an hour away from campus? Uh, I feel like, I feel like if we just got to go in there and treat it like a regular game, like obviously there are bigger repercussions for winning and losing, but you just got to go in there and treat it like a bigger game and don't suck yourself out. Yeah, well, technically, we're probably the closest team to Dominican, so we've got like the home field, home court advantage. That helps a little bit, but realistically, it's not our court. We're not practicing on it every day, so same as an away game to show up, play hard, and see what we're going to do. Same thing, just play hard and just show up. Now, what would uh, your guys' response be to somebody who says that you guys backed the way into the tournament, being that you guys had a chance to clinch a spot and failed to do so down the stretch? Is, is there any response that you would have to any naysayers in that regard? Hold on one second. Sorry. Stop response to any of the naysayers that say you guys uh, backed yourselves into the tournament being that you had a chance to clinch down the stretch and failed uh, three times to do so, what would be your response to that? Uh, at the end of the day, we won the games that we needed to to get in, and a lot of teams can't say that. So pretty much like all the teams are on the outside looking in, like it's basically like you shouldn't, you should have came in and beat us. So we're in, we're here, and now we just got to show up. Yeah, we made it. Like that's that's all that matters. Whoever, everyone can say what they want, but at the end of the day, we're at the tournament, and we're going to go out and compete, and hopefully win a Packers title. We're in, so that's all that matters. You know, they can say what they want. We're supposed to be here. We grind for this, so. If you guys are to make it past Chaminade, of course you want to take it one game at a time, but you would have a matchup with number two Concordia on deck who you split the season series with. Would there be any extra confidence knowing that you guys have beat them once the season already before? I feel like in any game where like you've won a game, like you're going to have confidence because you're just going to go in there and be like, okay, we got to do the same thing that we've done before or that we did before. But at the same time, they beat us too. We split. 
So I'm sure they're going to come in just as hungry because we won the last matchup. And again, it's every game you just got to go out there and compete because any team can win on any day. Exactly what Andre said. Yeah, it gives us a little bit of confidence, but that doesn't mean anything in the conference tournament. It's all about showing up, playing the best ball you can, and see where that gets you. It's um, zero zero for everybody. So whether we split with Concordia or not, the team that shows up on Thursday win. The team that shows up on Friday will win. The team that shows up on Saturday will win. Uh, final question: Is there anything that you guys would like to add about the first ever tournament appearance, or anything that you were not asked about today? You got anything? I'm just excited to be a part of it. Like I said, my future has had none of this planned, so. Just, it's just an honor just being next to these guys each and every day. My coaches, you know, um, Alonzo, just being with him for four years, our entire college career. And I'm just blessed whether Thursday goes our way or not. I'm just happy to be a part of this. Yeah, thanks to Holy Names for all the support. Like, being here for five years has been a long journey. And the athletic staff, like coaches, everyone that's been involved with it, I'd like to thank you guys. and. Hope you guys show our support. We, we're doing it for you guys. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Okay, Coach, we'll start with this. Um, you've been at Holy Names for a long time, and you guys have just earned your first PacWest Conference uh, tournament berth. Now, granted, you've only been at the conference since 2012-2013, but what does it mean to you to finally represent Holy Names at the conference tournament? Well, it's funny because uh, I was looking at some historical facts about you know how long it's taken people to get into this tournament. You look at teams like Notre Dame and even Hilo, who's looking for their first appearance in this conference tournament. Uh, you know, it's it's great that uh, after three years of being in this conference, full-fledged members in this conference, that we get this opportunity uh, to be able to go in and represent uh, Holy Names University in the tournament. So. Uh, I think it's very special. I think it's special that we're doing it with this group. I've told this group right from the get-go when they arrived on this campus that we were going to do something special this year. And uh, they've been on board with uh, what we wanted them to do all year, all year long. So. so you guys have lost four of your last five after winning seven of eight. So it's been well documented that you guys not playing your best basketball right now, but not a far way off from when you were. How do you get it turned around coming into this first game of the tournament? We just have to refocus. I mean, our, our mindset has to be in place. Uh, part of it is, uh, you know, I, I probably put too much pressure on our guys throughout the year, just trying to get to this point and uh, really lost lost track of what was important, which was game by game. Uh, so, uh, you know, I take accountability for you know preparing these guys and maybe not getting them in the right mindset. But you know, it's a it's a special opportunity. I think there's no doubt in my mind that my guys are are ready for the opportunity at hand to really play the best in the conference. And to know that we're one of the top six teams in this conference, um, you know, we, we held that top five spot for most of it. And I feel like we are a top five team in this conference for sure. Now, you guys, as well as a couple of other schools um, in the conference, are making their first appearance um, UN Academy of Art. Is there any extra significance being that it is your first time in the tournament to try to, to do something, do something great and really get out of the first round? You know, we take it game by game. I mean, for me, it's, uh, yes, this is a very special moment for Holy Names University. It deserves the, line, the, the shine that it's getting right now. Um, you know, I, I do it. I do it because it's, it's about the Sisters of the Holy Names and what they stand for and their core values. Uh, I think about that a lot, to be honest with you. I've thought about it a lot throughout the year in regards to, you know, some of the sisters that, that impacted my life and Sister Nancy Teske, Sister... You know, current, currently Sister Joanne Quinlivan, who I still speak to. Uh, you have so many sisters that have done so much for people on this campus that I, I believe that, you know, uh, it's special that they, they get the shine, uh, the university gets the shine uh, for, for our efforts. And so uh, I believe that uh, uh, we are where we're supposed to be right now. And you guys have a first round matchup with Chaminade. Uh, you guys come in having lost the season series. You lost game one by 11 and game two by 19. What will be the answer for Shaman when you meet with them in the first game of the We're still solidifying the game plan for them. I, I think it's, uh, you know, you got a, a great uh, offensive uh, power in Shamanat. They're one of the top two teams in scoring. And so 
you know, we consider ourselves a pretty good defensive team. And so we just have to make sure we zone in for 40 minutes on the defensive side of the ball. But just because we are defensive minded, I do believe that we have some offensive weapons on our side uh, with guys being able to step up. And so we're going to need some guys to step up and be consistent in that game uh, and, and be able to come through for us. But, you know, I, I do feel like we can score uh, with the best of them. Um, I don't necessarily think that that's something we want to do against Chaminade and see if we can, you know, score basket for basket against them. We need to be able to get our stops. We need to be able to get opportune stops and, and, and get extra possessions. And how we do that through 50-50 plays, being able to get extra possessions through offensive rebounding and, and just try to grind that game out and see if we can do that. Uh, but the specifics of the game itself, obviously, we meet with our guys later today to kind of discuss the specifics of what we're going to do as far as personnel. And, you know, they got, the, I believe, three of the top uh, 10 scores or 15 scores in the conference and uh, uh, number 13, uh, number 12, and then 25. Uh, all three kids are very good offensive weapons. They've uh, been able to score above 20, even though they're averaging below 20. Um, and so, you know, I feel like we have some really good defenders that match up well against those three guys, and we just got to make sure that the rest of them don't hurt us um, and, and have a good game. You touched on the scoring. They do have uh, three of the top six scoring players in the conference by average, led by Grant Dressler, averaging 19.1 per game against you guys this season. He scored a combined 44 points. Uh, more specifically, what will be your answer to him? And will that be a defensive answer, or do you think that there is an offensive counter to that as well? He's a smart player. I mean, he's shown and been consistent all year. Uh, you know, not only can he score, but he sets his team up. He averages, I, I believe, four and a half assists a game. Uh, he rebounds the ball well for them. I think he's top ten in rebounding as well. Um, it, it's one of those things, you know, I always tell our guys, we respect everyone. We fear nobody. You know, we want to go out there and do what we're capable of doing. And if we do that, it, things will take care of themselves. Whatever outcome comes of it, then it comes of it. But uh, uh, by no means do we feel like Chaminade is not beatable. Um, we need to make sure that we show up for 40 minutes or whatever that game is going to take. Um, but, you know, Grant's a great, great player. Uh, we have some great players. I feel like Andre's one of the best defenders in our conference. And we're going to match him up and play him minute for minute against Dressler. And, I, I, you know, I feel like we'll be fine there. This will be a battle out on the perimeter as they have uh, two of the top three field goal percentage um, shooters from beyond the three-point line. And as a team, they are second in three-point field goal percentage. But you guys, however, are first in three-point field goal percentage defense. How do you counter them out there at the, the three-point line? We tell our guys, and we've been telling our guys all year, success is in our details. And so, you know, when we focus on our details, we see the success we want to see. I feel like we are, it's a, it, this game is about the details and understanding that they shoot the, they score the three in different ways in transition, pushing the ball, penetration, kick. They try to collapse the defense and pop. They sometimes pick an angle with uh, with a jive, and so we just have to be aware of the details and how they do that. Uh, like I said, uh, I feel like we can stay in front of them uh, as long as we don't create mismatches. I think we'll be fine, um, but uh, you know, as great as they are, I feel like they also have some deficiencies there as well. And you talk about details. Let's talk about the details on defense. Um, specifically, Shawnad comes in having the second highest free throw percentage in the conference while attempting the third most free throws of any school. Um, how do you guys focus on the details on the defensive side of the ball so that you don't put them at the free throw line? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's going to be important. That's going to be a very important detail for us, I think. Uh, Knowing uh, our concepts and understanding our concepts, get our hands up, defend with our feet, use our body, you know, uh, and try and be as smart as possible there. Uh, communication's been a focal point for us in the last couple of weeks, and so we want to make sure our guys are communicating screens, communicating in transition, uh, and, and being able to keep guys in front, not opening up our gates so much and inviting them to penetrate, and just making sure that we can keep people in front of us. But yeah, it's going to be important. It's going to be important to keep our hands up and keep our hands out and showing the officials that we have, we're, we're defending with our body. Now, you talked about the, the turnover battle, some key 50-50 areas. Uh, you guys come in as one of only four teams in the conference with a positive turnover margin. However, another one of those teams is Chaminade. Chaminade also leads an assist-to-turnover ratio. Um, what are you specifically looking for when you look at the turnover battle, and how do you guys stop from turning the ball over against Chaminade? Yeah, that's going to be important. we got to take care of the ball. 
you know, our goal is to keep our turnover, you know, right at the nine marker. If we can keep our turnovers low, it, you know, those live turnovers are the ones that hurt us here at home against them. Uh, I believe there was uh, about 22 points off uh, live turnovers here at home, uh, another 23 in transition. And so uh, that hurt us a little bit. So, you know, it's about making those adjustments and making sure that we have to be fundamentally sound when we have the ball, don't leave our feet, you know, understand that we can't just throw the ball away and, and let them get uh, live turnovers on us. So you guys do play the first game of the conference tournament. Is there any extra significance being that it's your first time playing in the first game of the tournament or you go in there taking it just as a normal game as if it's a game you're at home? Uh, it's it's going to be hard. I mean, it, it's hard to tell you that it's, there's no significance. There's significance in the sense this is our first appearance in this tournament and we want to be able to show well. You know, I, I think it's important that it is a basketball game. At the end of the day, we got to show up and play and have the mindset to compete uh, no matter what time. I mean, we practice early in the morning. We practice late at night. Um, the inconsistencies in our practice, I feel, have prepared us for being able to ready, be ready to play at any given time. Um, you know, last week we had one of our best practices at 6 a.m. And so I, I really don't worry about the time. I do believe there is some significance in the time that, it, you know, we're the first team to play. but. For us, it's just being ready and right from the tip, being able to compete. And, uh, you know, I think we'll be ready. For Charlotte, this is their fifth appearance in the conference tournament. Is there any worry or any um, concern that being that they would have the edge and experience that they would know what to look for and that maybe some of their, your guys in areas of, of, uh, of <coughs> that they, they won't be able to respond? I'm not worried about that. I have faith in our group. I've had faith in our group all year. Um, we've had our ups and downs. I think uh, we're to the point now where, you know, our one word has been family all year. I think it's important this week that we come together as a family. Um, yeah, they have their traditions, but we have our traditions here as well. And we're trying to build our traditions in this Division II in CAA. And I think that our guys are doing a great job of doing that. And it starts with our culture of being able to show up defensively and have a mindset to compete. You know, like I told you before, it's not a matter of, of fearing anyone. We want to respect everyone. We understand that Chaminade is an offensive powerhouse. But I feel like our guys are going to be stepping up for the challenge and really be there uh, playing present and be doing the things that are required of them to give ourselves the best chance to compete. Now, you guys will be playing at the Collins Center, Dominican University, just about an hour away. Is there any added comfort knowing that this is what could be the closest thing to a home game for you guys at the tournament? I mean, yeah, I mean, things have aligned the right way for us this year. You know, I think God's been good to us this year in the sense of uh, it's it's in the Bay Area. You know, we had that stint of making sure we had those seven home games this year. I feel like our guys competed really well. We had that lapse against Chaminade, but then we go on and beat an AP, a really good APU team. We beat a really good Biola team. Then come back around, and I think we went four or five games or five or six. I don't remember exactly. But uh, things have aligned well for us. Uh, our goal this year was playing Collins Center on March 7th. We're there right now. I feel like we have an opportunity. We don't want to make sure we don't waste it. And again, uh, we represent a, an institution that we take pride in, Holy Names University, and we want to make sure that we represent it well. And so uh, there's a lot of people that have supported us this year and have shown great support in what we do. Hawk Nation has been amazing this year. Our different sport teams have uh, come out and supported us. Shout out to our baseball team who've come out and just uh, really been really supportive of us and all those other sports teams that have come out and really supported the Hawks. And, and again, these guys, these guys have really worked hard for this moment. And uh, this week is about just uh, enjoying the process that we created. And now that we're here, really enjoying the moment because uh, I don't want to get caught up in, in, you know, Chaminade and what Chaminade's doing or not doing. Uh, I want these guys to really understand that what they've done and is it, it, a start of something here for us at Holy Names University. And we want to be able to sustain that. And so these guys have done just that.
So what would be the best case scenario in that if you guys execute your game plan to 100% efficiency, how do you envision the game going? It's the game of basketball, just like life. It throws curveballs at you. You can be prepared for it all you want. It throws curveballs. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, my coaching motto has always been be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's what life is sometimes. And you just got to learn and throw, you know, catch those curveballs that are thrown at you. Uh, we don't expect Shamanad to go there and just do one thing. You know, we need to be ready for everything. Um, you know, and that's one thing I've learned in coaching is that nothing's ever what you think it's going to be. And so expect the unexpected, uh, be ready for it and thrive and be comfortable in that setting because uh, it's going to be uncomfortable uh, and I'm okay with that. And I want to make sure my guys are ready for that and that they're going to be ready to compete and showcase what they've worked so hard to do. And that's my number one thing is making sure that, that the conference is a spotlight for my guys who have worked so hard to really be where they're at right now. And uh, I couldn't be prouder of them and their efforts and where they're at right now. And last question, is there anything that you would like to add, whether about um, the conference tournament berth or anything about the team specifically, um, or anything that you have not been asked about thus far through the conference? You know, I, I, those that know anything about me know that I have two daughters. And, uh, and you know, I've, I've always been asked, do I want a son? And for me, when I recruit these kids, for me, you know, their families are entrusting me with their kids. And to me, these guys are like my sons, and I treat them like that. I go hard at them. I'm, I'm really tough on them. Uh, I show them tough love with everything I do. And I just want them to succeed. I want them to succeed in their life. Beyond this game of basketball, I want them to succeed in their life. And uh, for me, it's, a, it's such an honor to, to, to be at the forefront with these guys, to be able to lead these group of young men that have done something so special for this institution. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to the opportunity that we have at hand, no matter the outcome. No matter the outcome, I'm behind my guys. I'm behind what they're going to do. And I feel like they're going to do something special this week. Awesome. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. Hawk Nation, that's all the time we have for episode 15 of the HNU Hawkcast. We know it was a long one, but we'd like to thank you for sticking with us as we prepare for the HNU men's basketball team's first appearance in the PacWest Conference Tournament. It is the first time in school history that they will be in the PacWest Conference postseason tournament, and that starts at 12.30 p.m. when they face off against number three-seeded Chaminade on March 7th from the Conlin Center at Dominican University. Make sure you get out there. If you're still up here, we know it's spring break, but we want a big showing out there at the Conlin Center to cheer on the Hawks in their first ever postseason appearance in the Pac West. And that's all the time we have for this week. We'll see you next week on the HNU Hotcast.